Hello and welcome to the Chikanego podcast, take two. <laughs> this is James speaking, across from me is... Harry, hello. And we're doing take two, because the first take, we were just talking about how weird lockdown was, and I was like, we can't put this on the podcast, but we won't talk about it the second time. Okay, Let's we... talk about Chikanego. <laughs> trying to present a united front. <laughs> we're trying to not let our lockdown weirdness make it onto the podcast. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if that would be a bad thing. Maybe it would be. But let's see how it turns out. <laughs> so, what's new in the world of Tukaneko? What What's the purpose of this podcast? Where are we going? Where are we taking them? Let's start with where we're coming from. Our studio, podcast studio, mm-hmm. in our living room. We've moved all the furniture out of the way. I mean, we haven't. <laughs> the furniture wasn't there in the first place. <laughs> our versatile living room has... <laughs> become a podcast studio once again bathed in a nice purple light right now from our smart bulb the one smart bulb that's working mm-hmm. um which i didn't even set i'm quite actually i'm quite liking the purple vibes yeah it's nice but probably lost on the listeners of the podcast can't really describe <laughs> color in words apart from just say purple i don't know if you ever think that when like someone describes a color and you think am i definitely seeing the same thing like when they say red we just assume we all understand what red means oh this is a fun one because there's no way of telling whether the red for me is the same as the red for you. Yeah, but we just both agreed that that thing's red, but we might be seeing it differently. I think it's really interesting because people associate like red with um, anger and things like that. And, mm. um, but what if like when you're seeing red, you're actually seeing what I see as purple or something? Yeah, so I associate purple with anger from your perspective. I mean, it feels unlikely. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because... We would have run into a thing right now and go, oh, why is that stop? That stop sign doesn't look very urgent or something. No, because... No, because... The white stripes have if, a weird colour scheme. <laughs> if, if, if my red was your purple, then I would... Say, say uh, I saw red as everyone else's purple. So basically, when I see red, it's purple. My association with purple would be like, oh my God, urgent. Uh, I suppose... And that would, that would be what I would have um, kind of grown I used to. I suppose I was talking from the point of view that red is a set colour in the world. Therefore, like you would be seeing purple stop signs, but yeah, I guess you would. So it's, it's 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 your brain's interpretation of the wavelength of light, isn't it? Mm. So the wavelength would be the same. Mm, but the brain's interpretation would be different. Yeah, so I suppose it's whether a color has a primal thing, whereas if you always saw that color a certain way, it would have the same. So like your blood would look purple. Hmm. That'd be pretty gnarly, wouldn't it? I was kind of thinking that oh you. You'd be seeing a more mellow colours. You'd be like, that, that stop sign's chill. No, but <laughs> I, I just see purple and think, oh, whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> step back. Yeah. Well, thought it would lead to some funny situations in the world, but now I'm just feeling more confused. That's all right. Started. So we've, um, we've been busy making the video for Digital Native. I think we touched on that briefly last time. I don't know if it was made last time, but... Um... I think we'd done principal shooting yeah. or whatever you call it in the film world anyway headlines digital native is coming out this weekend i think we're pretty set on that now it's coming yeah, out this weekend yeah. um the video's done the mix is done after a really painless process mm-hmm. so we're ready to put those things together put the cake in the oven and uh you know all that's left is the uh, the icing of the social media posts put the pot in the kiln <laughs> <laughs> Put the <laughs> what the whatever in the blast furnace? Do you make iron in a blast furnace? Can't remember. GCSE science. Because it's like it's like you've kind of 
you kind of sculpt it now you just need to set it mm. lay down the concrete blow the glass yeah <laughs> all applicable <laughs> just showing how little I know about the world <laughs> like do they blow glass do they do they freeze it does it grow I don't know um, but yeah that's I suppose the biggest thing going on right now um, we recorded a new song at the weekend um, untitled as of yet <laughs> yeah untitled but in progress um, so that's that's half finished not really too much to say about the release of that one yet we'll keep them keep them waiting for that mm. um but that gives us less updates. Apart from that, we've just, you know, we're in lockdown in the UK. We've just been here, <laughs> around the flat. We've been live streaming. Our... We've, yeah, yeah. We've, live streaming is a new thing for Two Connect because um, we've always wanted to do it and we've spent a long time setting it up and we've been doing it regularly and it's great. We've we've done four or five, maybe not that many, but like, maybe like four Ooh. full band Yeah, maybe like set up maybe like live four. streams. And they've all been really good and we're mm. getting better at them in terms of like the technical stuff like the setup mm. the logistics and everything um so it's been a learning experience Ish. this one was really on a knife edge <laughs> of working. It, it wasn't a knife edge but we had improvements we had a longer cable from the camera to the laptop so we didn't have to squint to see the comments and i could i just had it next to me um which was great um, yeah minor improvements yeah just, <laughs> just little incremental gains closer to professionalism yeah um yeah, no, they're really good. They, as I said before, they give me like a, a gig-like feeling, even from being locked down in the flat. So that makes like this lockdown uh, better than previous lockdowns. Mm. Well, I suppose that has been too. But yeah, this because like you feel less of a sacrifice because we've sort of second time round. You kind of know what to expect from lockdown, so mm. we've kind of made it work. Like, yeah, being able to be here in the flat, like when we have all our stuff and have. The whole band here, hashtag two piece, like <laughs> yeah. um, the ability to make music at the same sort of momentum ish than outside is great. Mm. Um, I'd be feeling really like stuck right now if we couldn't make me. You literally just waiting out lockdown, which I'm sure how a lot of people feel. Not meant yeah. to brag, <laughs> but um, <laughs> feeling good about that. Feeling good about hashtag no bass player. <laughs> yeah, hashtag no bass player. Hashtag two piece. Hashtag two connecto. When's that going to be trending? Trending, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure we're on Twitter, so we'll just speak them. That, that'll surely help. Yeah. Well, for everyone who's still listening, what are we going to talk about for the rest of the podcast? Because um, that's kind of our updates, I suppose. Just we're recording music, um, we're going out on streams every week, we're going to release a single this weekend. Um, <coughs> And I think, I mean, I think we're working towards a bigger release, like in the summer, and mm. we're working towards like gig audiences for like when we're back gigging in person, um, mm. which is super cool. Like, it's super cool to th- have a think about that now and be able to lay the foundations rather than like book a gig and mm. then go shit. We need to like sell tickets straight away and kind of be more salesy than we we yeah. really rather be. That, that that is a bit of a positive. I mean, we've got to take as many positives as we can, but. Um... As James was saying, we normally book a gig uh, in you know, six weeks' time or something, and we'd have a kind of sprint and a mm. attempt at marketing it to a cold audience, um, which doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're now taking our time playing the long game, and we're sort of ab- targeting our ad budget to certain cities to kind of get the sort of tour <laughs> lined up through little bubbles of warm audience, um, mm. which is exciting. 
um, UK focus at the moment. Mm. Cause that's convenient for us. Yeah, we have been we've been sending out the music to sort of worldwide basically um, mm. until now to kind of grow a bit of a, a base of people that like the music, base, you know, wherever they are. Um, mm. But we're now switching our focus a little bit to try and build up like potential gigable audiences for an unlocking of society in mm. particularly the UK, which is doing very well on its vaccine in late late 2021. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And the live streams will hopefully, hopefully help with that. Um, man, just such a believer in um, in content. I believe in it more than I do it. Like, mm. I believe in it. Yet I think I'm fulfilling five percent of our own potential to make content and make things happen. It's um, it's kind of crazy how how, how many connections you can make just seemingly by chance, but it's just because you make connections with so many people. Like one of them's gonna sort of amount to something. Mm. Um, so, for example, we're trying to, <laughs> which we're, we're potentially organising a kind of live stream thing with a distillery mm. over in Florida, which is pretty mental. Yeah. And um, we, we played a show last summer at Folkestone Harbour Arm because yep. someone saw our saw video it. on Facebook and said, do you want to play in Folkestone? We're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we jumped on the train like a yeah. few weekends after. That, that um, was a good old, that was a good old trip, it wasn't it? It was a great it? experience. We, yeah. we actually got paid for that show. More than just the expenses that we spent all of our earnings on tapas. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. <laughs> we were just too happy. There was great food there and it was a good setting. Mm. That was a nice setting, actually. Think of that, pre-COVID. Mm. It was sort of end of summer. It was like September time, so it's still a bit warm. Was it September? Yeah, in 2019. I feel like it was that kind of time. Yeah. Um, so, like, you could be outside having some beers. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there just happened to be a sort of pretty good by UK standards tapas bar. Mm. And observing actual audiences watch your music is really fun as well. Because um, we usually have friends along to our gig who I think are like, to be honest, they're equally for just like a night out, hang out, something new. Mm. Um, and like often they haven't really listened to the music or they've listened to a couple of songs. But... Either way, they're not necessarily there for what we offer, which is like 20-minute expl- <laughs> exploratory jams um, <laughs> made up sort of as we go along kind of thing. Um, so it's interesting to like watch them in the audience. Um, just just in general, compared to live streaming, like reacting to the audience. And maybe you don't get this quite as much from sort of being at the back and not quite... I don't know what your view is like from the back. Probably just like see the back of me. I don't know. Definitely see less. I see, I see a lot of... Bright lights and smoke. <laughs> Drench the drummer in smoke. We're going to give you a big screen. We're going to give you spotlights and yeah. fucking fireworks. Fireworks yeah. on the old tom-toms. Stage monitoring. Just get a, instead of like the speakers, which is the normal stage monitoring, I've got a big fuck-off monitor just in front yeah. of me with the audience there. Um, That'd be good. Well, my point was about folks that like to link it back is um, I remember looking out of the audience there because it was quite unusual because it was like a walk sort of walk by audience, I don't know how you describe it, but we're playing on a harbour to a sort of captive audience because there's a lot of benches in front of us, but mm. oh, there's a lot of people walking sort of by, mm. just stopping, like, um, which is interesting because I haven't had that, our music put in that, well, particularly Tucan Echo, but like almost any band put in that context before of a a walk up and see if you like it, crowd, like stay or go or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was clearly okay, because quite a lot of people sat there for ages, you know? I mean, to um, be fair, there were 
a number of restaurants where you, for example, go up and buy a burger and sit on the benches that happen to be in front of our stage. <laughs> so maybe they were just having lunch. Potentially. But I think I think you're right. People were staying and sitting on the bench. Mm. It was a nice day. Like We clearly weren't abrasive. <laughs> yeah, we weren't <laughs> abrasive. Um, it was cool also because there was like a walkway that was above us, um, mm. which is, is fun because you can actually like... And unusual to like play and look up and there's people like looking down on you it's a mm. it's a sort of a new perspective and we were right by the sea like literally on the harbour so to one side is just the sea um, so yeah. if it was going really bad you could just jump in the sea <laughs> forgot just the words stay. or something just swim to France and be um, fine <laughs> but anyway yeah my actual point was uh, observing that audience like there's clearly some people who um, weren't not like not into it but they were kind of just like trying to work out what was going on I guess and um, we got asked for a few covers that I didn't react to very well because I just not not that I got angry but I just didn't really I was like uh, we don't know that song <laughs> <laughs> um, it's always a bit awkward um, but what, what I remember is just like there's always a, a certain type of person usually usually a musician or a sound person or whatever um, who just you see they're just like nodding <laughs> it's like, yeah there's a vibe here I'm tuned into the vibe and it's not a high percentage like it's not no, like we're, gonna, we're not going to be the next little mix or something um, the next little mix yeah <laughs> oh I'm trying God. to think of the poppiest thing in? I could the poppiest thing yeah, okay. Okay, give me a better example, Mr. One Pop Culture. <laughs> what year were you in? Little Mix are more recent than that. Yeah, Little Mix are worse. <laughs> They're popular. They just had someone leave their band, didn't they? Um, but yeah, so I'm just saying, there's like a. Not indifference, but kind of unresolved curiosity in a lot of the audience. They're like, I don't really get what's going on here, but okay. Um, and yeah. then there's like. That subsection is like, yep, there's something going on here. Yeah, I don't know what it is still, but I know yeah. something's going on. It's whether they want to go in the maze or not. Yeah. <laughs> They've both seen the maze. It's just, <laughs> do they want to walk through the twists and turns? Are they intrigued? Yeah. Um, so that was Folkestone. Um, so more, more gigs like that, but obviously that's different to a captive audience. You don't usually get that many gigs where you don't have to bring any audience and you get paid for it. Like, mm. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's the power of social media mm. and content. I'm intrigued, and I know you're intrigued, James, about the actual... So you've, you've got a number of platforms, and some platforms are good for, like, this thing, well, basically natural reach is where, mm. where you don't pay to reach your fans, and, and some aren't good for that. So, for example, Facebook and Instagram aren't great for natural reach. Facebook is... You just don't get any organic natural reach. reach. Yeah, that, 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 that's the word. Mm. Facebook, you do not get any organic reach at mm. all. You have to pay to reach anyone. You basically. used to though, didn't you? Remember yeah, like 2011 when you used to put your little status up and everyone would see it? Yeah. Crazy yeah. times. In- Instagram's okay because you can like, you hashtag mm. and you add people and things like that. But um, I never quite warmed to it though. Instagram. I was a bit late on it and it always <laughs> felt a bit. I, I think, I mean, I, I actually quite like it at the moment. Um, I quite like it because I can scroll down on Instagram mm. and I get drummers that I am inspired by. Mm. Mm. Um, so you can sort of curate it to be quite a good thing mm. I don't like the sort of shallow side of it mm. um, I just we seem to get more kind of DMs for this and just more like botty stuff mm. um, anyway carry on I interrupted you so you've got those platforms which aren't good for organic reach you have to pay ad and target ads to reach the people you want mm. however there are new platforms <laughs> are they new still? TikTok. 
and LinkedIn, which isn't new, but li- LinkedIn and TikTok are great for organic reach. Mm. And I'm super intrigued by both of them. Um, just because, I mean, like just as an example, we've posted a few times on TikTok and every single time our TikTok posts have gone to hundreds of people. Mm. With no effort or no yeah. promotion or not yeah. even a like, particularly sort of engaging profile. It's just us yeah. putting stuff up. It's mental. And I hashtagged the shit out of our last Instagram post and it reached 27 new people. So mm. ridiculous. Mm. Um, so TikTok and LinkedIn, I'm intrigued by them. And I want to figure out how to <laughs> delve into them on in, in Tufnecker. I mean, TikTok's easier because that's kind of like short clips and music fits quite well in that kind of world mm. and you can reach people. LinkedIn's more difficult, but I can totally see the power of it. I mean, we, ha- um, our friend James had an example where he posted mm. a, he does um, drone interviews, drone. So he works in a drone insurance company um, and they, uh, yeah, and he only started there recently and um, he, had a YouTube channel. They knew that he did stuff like a YouTube channel for a bit, and so they offered him the chance to like interview people in the industry, which is good for the company because they're a insurance in, uh, insurance company. So they want to insure people who are doing mm. stuff in the drone industry, um, and it's yeah, it's just good to get like their name out there, and, and it's something he enjoyed. Um, he's literally done one episode, <laughs> um, and it's fucking like making waves. Um, I don't want to disclose like too much, obviously, but because um, it's kind of his thing. But he's like, because even this week he sent me like he got some email that it was email someone saying oh like the production's on it's really good, from mm. someone else. Um, so yeah, it's like it only took like one video, um, and like it's already. I mean, particularly on LinkedIn, like that sort. Of, particularly on LinkedIn, making corporate mm. style videos, like not many people are that good at that. Not many people do a corporate job, but also can. Yeah. create like engaging content like that that's Things, really yeah. relevant and emerging yeah I mean you, you say like corporate but I feel like there's a kind of I don't like to say corporate because there are people who are musicians who will have a LinkedIn account mm. who will want to absorb content about being a musician and that, and that sort of thing mm. um, so it's not necessarily a kind of all business <laughs> business <laughs> transactions <laughs> sorry I can't resist so it's not that <laughs> That's um, a Bojack Horseman reference for anyone who's watched Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Vincent Adultman. There's <laughs> <laughs> a character who's a, a, like three kids stacked on top of each other in a trench coat, and like basically, almost everyone can see that. Yeah. It was that he was a little kid. <laughs> but Princess Carolyn can't. Yeah, Princess well, Carolyn falls in love with Vincent Adultman <laughs> yeah. because um, she's because he's such a growing mad. Yeah, and he just has like generic answers to these questions. So what's your job? Um <laughs> business <laughs> transactions. Oh Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Princess Carolyn's like, oh Vincent, you're always so busy with business. <laughs> anyway, Bojack Holzman, we're almost at the end of it. It's great. Oh yeah we yes. are. Season six. It's getting real. Um but yes, LinkedIn. Um I wonder if there's a way that we can make videos that just Pop up on LinkedIn. I, I feel like I was thinking about why LinkedIn's such a good thing for kind of reach and stuff. Mm. And I think it's because most people that are on it are actually disconnected from their personal lives. So it's not like a personal commitment to share something or like something. You know, you know on, on like Facebook or Instagram or if you share something, it's like a personal thing. Like, oh yeah, I my kind of 
I like this as a person. My this is my thing. Like yeah, it. you kind of hinge your identity to it. But LinkedIn, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just sort of doing this because it's my job. Oh, but I would say that that like brings more. I would say that would be like less flexible with your identity than being yourself. On on Facebook, you can like be passionate about whatever you want to. Yeah. I do get what you mean. You're, it represents you. But at the same time, like if I feel uh, I'm on LinkedIn to kind of. Oh, I don't go on LinkedIn and really do this, yeah. but other people are on LinkedIn to kind of promote themselves effectively, that mm. to get their name out there or to get their company's stuff out there to get more business. So mm. I felt like that's more of a tricky, more of a, a conscious um, liking yeah. and commenting and stuff, you know? I mean, maybe you have different perspectives, but I kind of think if someone sees an interesting video that's relevant to their field... Mm. Um, and they're like, oh, if I share this, other people might see that I shared this and I would get cred for sharing that video mm. in, in a professional sense. Mm. Um, so I kind of think people would be more likely to share things because they want to kind of show that they're kind of aware and active in their field of expertise mm. or whatever it is. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, don't know if I should dive into this, but I will anyway. Like, I think a lot about like how integrated your career is into you or not mm. um i'm kind of envious of the people who you you made me think about it because of you given this is people on linkedin or this is related to my field and it just makes me think like well what is my field like my job is not i don't take it as personally sort of as as some people do i guess mm. um and i think it's one of the reasons i'm nervous to post on LinkedIn is like it's almost built around um I mean I suppose it's almost built around a bit of an old me who kind of thought like oh Mm. here's one here's I I do hobbies like music on the side and then I do a a job by this but but what that kind of leads to is you not being like that passionate about the main job that you do um and kind of getting to the point where it feels like it gets in the way of your hobby slash passion but like how do you deal with that? Do you dial down your passion to fit in with your job? Do you dial down your job to fit in your passion? Mm-hmm. It's a slightly different point, but it made me made me think about, yeah, like how many people are integrated in terms of like, they would go on LinkedIn and what they work on is what they're passionate about. And mm-hmm. like, they'll see a post about their industry and they're not just doing it to try and like grow their career. Like growing their career is growing their passion and themselves just all in one. Like it's just one integrated thing. Mm-hmm. I want to get to there. That sounds amazing. I can integrate it. I want there to be area under that curve. Oh, calculus. Hard, <laughs> <laughs> hardly any whiskey. Just in a weird mood. Um. So. Still LinkedIn. Link LinkedIn. What do I think about all that? You can just go straight onto LinkedIn if you don't talk about any of that. But. No, no, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think... Um... But another example, like, okay, one more example before we talk. is like, in your job, I, my, it was my impression that your LinkedIn is more important in a um, being a like project manager or being a consultant, whatever. Mm. A, a lot more um, self-promotion and business and stuff is kind of clients or whatever is gathered through LinkedIn. Mm. Therefore, I thought it would be more important to present an image uh, 
and you'd be more worried about presenting like a more music-based image and bleeding mm. your hobby into that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I work as a management consultant, so I work for a company and I work, basically provide work for clients. <laughs> so I need to have a good, shiny, in an ideal world, I'd have a shiny LinkedIn profile that looks mm. good and provides a good impression. Um, and I, I would also use that as a kind of networking platform to find like new clients and leads mm. and things like that. Um, and that's how, how you would use it. Like that's, that's how a good sort of mm. consultant or contractor would use their LinkedIn mm. in my kind of field. Um, if they want to kind of excel and succeed and sort of grow that career. Mm. Um, so you're right. It is important for that in terms of, the kind of music hobby bleeding into it, I don't, I don't really consider that as a, I don't really see that as an issue. Um, I don't see a scenario where I would be promoting music on my consulting LinkedIn profile. Mm. Um, there would be a separate thing entirely. Either I'd um, completely transform my consulting profile into a music mm. one, or I'd just delete them and get and delete and get a new one, or have two going at simultaneously. Um, there wouldn't be a scenario. That's kind of what that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is LinkedIn sort of a frontier yeah. <laughs> for like what for like what what are we doing? For what am I doing? Because like my LinkedIn presents me as my day job, mm. and all my connections only connected with me because of my day job. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> like honestly, I just like people Annie from school is like we we weren't really that close friends at school, but here we are on LinkedIn. You were doing fucking accounting or something, and you thought it might be useful to have me on LinkedIn as well in case, in case you need me for anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that's a really cynical way to look at I it. I think but, that is cynical. But sometimes I, I do get it's like yeah. I, I, I feel like mean, the, we don't talk to each other. I ever. feel like they just want that five hundred plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't care. Um, but like I got this thing, yeah. Like you know, LinkedIn's a big platform. You know that if you're actually really gonna, if you're really gonna like do this burn the boats thing and like no backup plan like i want to do something creative but actually do what you say you want to do then like linkedin should be something that you're using towards that because it's powerful and like surely if it's your no go back thing you'd be deploying all of your resources towards it integrated i mean there's there's nothing stopping us um creating a new linkedin mm. Making content related to what you want to do, mm. be that, I mean, LinkedIn's different because you ne might not necessarily find fans of the music, but there's mm. other stuff that we want to do as Tukaneka, like um, producing or just generally kind of building some kind of community of independent musicians. There's mm. that kind of side to it. And you would be able to build a following on LinkedIn because the organic reach is so good by just posting content mm. about independent musicianship mm. from... I don't know, be it a personal profile or a Tukan Echo profile. Mm. Um, that's that, in my mind, that's how we would start. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even yeah. like do anything with our old ones. They like, would just decay and come around. Yeah, irrelevant. well, mine already is. Yeah, I'm not even put my new job title on it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have. I think I might have updated mine. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's obviously like a deeper point that I'm really thinking about. But LinkedIn is one of those things. Like, you know when like a small thing stops you from doing a big thing and you, you feel like mm. just just a small a minor technicality is the reason that you don't do a big change 
like you're scared of the big change so you're finding any excuse not to do it uh, subconsciously though like you don't see that as you're doing it yeah like i'm definitely finding this in myself and i'm definitely digging more into that like in myself now because i'm kind of trying to get through those things but they just crop up like because everything uh everything like important or everything difficult like comes up with resistance and it's almost like it's not that the obstacles are any more or less difficult but your attitude to them if you're full of resistance you're kind of basically ready to collapse at any point at the smallest amount of block you know what i mean mm. um like we talked about it when we got practice space and we go like if we didn't want to do this badly enough this yeah. would all fall apart straight away because this is not convenient yeah it's not <laughs> like, easy yeah like you have to persist and do stuff um so I've got, like yeah it's just a bit of a thing i've been thinking about this week like the people who achieve big things go through the most failures because like those are the like everyone would give up at those points before hence like they're rare things because the the rarity is that someone would keep going off after losing millions of dollars or after mm. catastrophic failure if you know what i mean like most people go oh, that was a bad road <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll not, stay away from yeah, that, yeah new road yeah um, or that that road that everyone else is going down say oh, same old road so you need something there to drive you to persist even if even if you might spend your whole life failing at it, if you know what I mean? Do you want it badly enough that you might do it your whole life and never get to, quote, success? And that might be the, like, hidden key to success, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because then think... you actually persevere through the failures. Do you want it bad enough, though? That's interesting, because <laughs> what do you want bad enough? Because I would argue, if you're someone who carries on going through failure after failure after failure... You don't want the thing at the end. You're just enjoying what you're doing. Mm, mm. So it's not, it's it's not, it's mm. not really a failure if you're just not succeeding at mm. all these things. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm just trying to, yeah. So so if if you keep failing and failing, I'm I'm doing quotes right now. Failing and failing and failing. Mm. That's probably fine because in your mind you're just enjoying it and having a good time. Mm. So those are the people who carry on going. Mm. I'd say there's I'd say there's a difference though because there's like enjoyment or like fulfilment and like pleasure because like we could not be doing a podcast right now and I could just be like lying in bed surfing the internet buying guitars or something and that would be like more short term pleasurable because it just there'd be no pressure wouldn't have mm. to think of things to say I wouldn't have to <laughs> publish it like there's lots of like there's no work to that you know mm. So I think that would obviously lead to less fulfillment in the long term, but like, there's an interesting thing about, it's, it's, I don't think loving what you do is necessarily, it's the literally the most pleasurable thing you can do in each moment. Mm. Um, <clears throat> therefore, I think there's a bit more to it than like, oh, they love, they love doing it. So even the like crushing defeats don't matter to them because they love it so much. Like, I think even people that would ca be in the category of love what they do, would have up and down moments, you know? Um, so I think it's a bit different. That's a bit more nuanced. I think you're right. Um, anyway, that was LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I always take things to deeper things. There's something about LinkedIn that's a frontier for me because it's like a presentation of a corporate... And basically, I've not updated it since I started my job, which mm -hmm. was a few years ago. Um... At which point I was very keen, um, 
And yeah. now I'm less keen, I'm way more keen on music and creativity, but like that transition out of it, I'm finding quite, yeah. the identity change like quite hard. Because yeah. I have evidence and character and what built up in one place and a profile telling me that I'm this and yeah. whatever. And then... And all these endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have any endorsements. You don't have any endorsements? I've, I've got a few. And yeah, but you've even, you know, pumping Networking, the in. Consultant. Like, used yeah. And like, yeah. But people who do use it can get themselves to like where they want to go. I think... I get... This is, this is too deep for the podcast, but I get the pervading feeling... Nothing's <laughs> too deep for the podcast, James. <laughs> I'm afraid to take it to deep places because yeah, we just talk about LinkedIn and now I'm talking about meaning of life. <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe that's what they tune in for. It's like us tuning into Tone Junkie for him to talk about food and ants. But actually, side note, Tone Junkie podcast, uh, podcast about guitars and amps and stuff um, that I listen to. He, the best thing about his podcast is he thinks he's talking about the meaning of life, but then he links it back to guitars. And he's actually talking about guitars. And that that's an amazing twist. He's got he's like deep, like tearful. And then it just turns out it's like, and that's why I need another sir. Like guitar. <laughs> I laughed out loud on that episode. Um, anyway, where was I going? Meaning of life. LinkedIn. Um, started out sorry, I really lost my train of thought. I went too far off on the anecdotes. Um, LinkedIn. Made my profile when I was keen. Oh. Um, I think it was about not not going back. Wait, what was that? Help me, I lost my train of thought. I was going to talk about I, something I was, deep I and just, I lost it. I was it. just letting you run. Fuck. I was just letting you run. I, I, I think um, maybe it's time for a light-hearted interlude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to listen back and work out what I was talking about. <laughs> okay, podcast is back. I tried to listen back to where I <laughs> where my train of thought got. Um, I, th- I think you've got too much power on this, James. You just you just stopped the podcast. You just stopped. Well, it, it was like, really annoying me because I'd forgotten where I still haven't really remembered exactly what I was going to say, and it was powerful. It was filling me up with emotion, um, but now I don't remember it. <laughs> well, I feel partly at fault because I interrupted you. Um, I think, <laughs> I think it was like I get the pervading feeling that if you really wanted something you would overcome the small the small thing that's stopping you. It's, it's kind of around what, what I was getting to. Mm. Like, like why, if you really wanted it, why wouldn't you direct all of your, all of your resources at it? Um, so, so the LinkedIn thing is like, oh, currently it represents something that I don't really want to do, not really... It's not integrated, like, it, it kind of represents what I wanted to do before, but now I've kind of changed my mind, but now I'm struggling to move on. And one of the things that's making me struggle to move on is I don't kind of go for it enough to go, wow, I need to put what I actually want on my LinkedIn, if you go on me. Um, mm. Afraid to say what you want. Afraid of what you want, in some way. Yeah. Anyway, I've talked for too long, and I don't really know what I'm talking about anymore. So, so take it somewhere else, I don't care. I watched a really good live stream earlier this week. Okay. From an experimental hip hop trio called Clipping. Um, I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say. <laughs> but this, um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have it more. This um, live stream was so well produced. 
um, it was like perfectly in sync. They had like a camera crew. And it was probably similar to the one that you had saw from Matt Devella James, but um, with experimental hip hop. For context, Clipping have two producers and one rapper, and the producers were just at the back of the live stream, just sort of twiddling knobs and making all sorts of experimental noise just live there, and I was blown away by it. And not only that, the live stream was produced by an artsy film music video director. So there were all sorts of interludes. Like at one point, um, the rapper just walked out, walked out the studio, went to the street, it was raining. <laughs> and they, he just stood in this artsy tunnel with a silhouette um, and the street behind him for probably three or four minutes. And then he just, because his microphone was wireless, he took his microphone outside. And then he just started rapping the next track over the backdrop of rain and traffic going past So it was him. proper plan then, like, yeah. they had to... Really well produced. They had, like, scene changes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then he went back inside, and then at one point they turned all the lights and just had a kind of torch um, sort of view from the camera. Um, and then another point they kind of panned over to some old school um, footage of... Dracula films um, because it's like an experiment they sort of brand themselves as like horror hip hop sort of thing <laughs> um, so they had like Dracula stuff over there oh, it was it was a whole immersive experience and I watched all hour and ten minutes of it it was great wow. for charity as well they raised like nine thousand dollars so that inspired me you know it kind of shows what's possible about um, what's possible with kind of live streaming and Budget. reaching people on the internet <laughs> Budget. I mean, they had budget, but it wasn't like loads of budget. Like, they they had like good people on board, but the amount of money that they actually spent on the thing. I mean, they had good people and a good DSLR and probably an expensive wireless microphone. But other than that, <laughs> we've got all that stuff. Um, I think we're a way off going outside on our current tech. That we have to take yeah. like a chain of wires downstairs. Yeah, we, 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 need, we need to get you a wireless. We need um, a we need like a crew, time. like we do all the filming ourselves, like, and we're busy playing. If you get me, mm. so um, I'm interested as to what we could do with live shows. Um, like, I'm always interested, always interested in like kind of doing something that a bit different or something that stands out, which like very few people actually do. People mm. are afraid of being weird, mm. um, which is funny because like weird is like what makes things interesting or captures attention in many ways. Like, nothing normal ever caught your attention, because why would you pay attention to something normal? Mm. It's normal. It's it's background. Um, but, like, you see a lot of bands who are kind of trying to be successful by being normal. Um, yeah, by, by, by being an alternative indie rock band. <laughs> Harry hating on indie bands. <laughs> That's his whole own episode, just let you, let you rant and rage and smash things. Um... But yeah, so I'm I'm interested like that that kind of thing where it's just like they actually did something novel and interesting, and sometimes those sort of things are are quite difficult for the artists or the people behind it to do. Like, mm. no one in their right mind would do that because it doesn't make any logical sense. It makes what you do so much more complicated or hard or whatever. But if that's what you need to do to achieve a result that's actually interesting, mm. then maybe you need to do it. Like we want to sort of bring the rainforest to the two connected live show. Mm. We, 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 we have a vision where we're just sort of surrounded by <laughs> plants in our live show. Yeah. And I just think that would create an interesting atmosphere. No one's seen that before in like the dingy 
um, beginner venues of London. They've never seen a plant in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> they probably don't survive that long in those venues. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like painted black and they're dark all day. <laughs> yeah, they're probably light most of the day, actually. But they're dark a lot of the time. Get a snake plant. They're hardy. They survive in the dark. Yeah, they're like, they're like top of the list of hardy house plants that you can't kill. Is that why you bought it? <laughs> That's not why I bought it. I bought it because I thought it looked cool, but, um, you know, I was quite lucky on that one. <laughs> I bought a snake plant and a peace lily, and I'm just looking at the peace lily now, and it's lilting. Ooh, it's <laughs> it, like, it needs sad. water. It needs sad. water. Water um, from beneath, that's what I've learned. Mm. Um, give them a little tray, and they just slurp it up um, yeah. at their own speed. Let the plants water themselves. Um mm. But yeah, so that that's one thing of, um, if you're brave enough to be weird, then like people might actually take notice and you might actually get where you want to go. Mm. Um, so thinking about how we can make the Toucan Echo show like interesting, weird, but you put yourself, you put yourself at more risk of stuff going wrong, I guess. Like it's yeah. just with anything, like yeah. you take more risk, you get more reward, but you also get more potential downside. Um, you work harder for it as well. Yeah. So, like, if we were going to bring loads of trees to a gig, that would not be necessary. But in a deeper level, it probably is necessary. Because people go, shit, that band bought loads of trees. They're weird. What are they up to? Yeah. Are they worth the trees that they bought? And the answer be yes or no. Makes them curious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about making a guitar with, like, leaves coming out an F hole. Like, a sort of real real mother nature. Wait, a, a what hole? An F? F hole. Like, um... It's like a semi-hollow guitar has holes in it. Oh, Gibson has them. Okay. Thinking oh. having like stuff growing out of that, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like a leafy guitar. How would you do that? Oh, I just stick like plastic plants coming out. Oh right, like plastic plants. I probably wouldn't grow anything out of it. Yeah, I was gonna it? say like I was imagining like putting compost Water inside the guitar, like watering plants yeah. and stuff. Like risky. Well, that 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 is going out of the risky. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that could be our next live show. I think we do it a little bit already in terms of like not being completely conventional in our editing or the way we do videos or, or something. Mm. Um, but anyway, I think that's a big concept people miss. We're 44 minutes in. Don't be an indie rock band. I mean, they can if they want. They just might not see success. <laughs> Coming from Toucan Echo, who are roaringly successful. Oh yeah, we are roaringly successful. No, we're not. <laughs> not yet. But... I mean, it's, it's funny, because if I hadn't listened to stuff like Seth Godin and, and whatever, like, uh, you can sort of quite easily sell that, like, all the self-help stuff or whatever is just bullshit. But there's definitely things, if I'd not listened to them, I don't know where else I would have got that message that did open my mind to more than just the LinkedIn corporate world. Mm. Go, I mean, what a nice link back. But for, for people like that to say, you know what, like, you don't want to be mainstream because like you'll never make it in the mainstream the only way things grow now is they're weird and they're niche and they're targeted at some people that absolutely love them mm. there's a hundred or a thousand or whatever people that love this thing but like for the, for them to love it you've got to be really specific for the, like like literally custom made for them mm. and people are getting deep and that's a cyclical thing because people are getting deeper into their niches than they would have done had there not been people being niche for them, yeah. you know what I mean? They would have conformed to the mainstream if they didn't have any other option. But mm. they've been giving depth and options in their weird niches. So, 
Um, yeah, it's just interesting that I listen that how on listening to stuff, listening to content on the internet, you can hear someone's opinion that can actually dictate what you do in your life. Like, we probably wouldn't be doing this right now if we hadn't listened to Independent and Gary Vee and whatever. Yeah. Um, we might be doing music in some form, but we would, for better or worse, not be trying to pursue it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so don't you think that's interesting? It is interesting. Probably a good thing. But it's, I don't know, is it a good thing? I'd probably be none the wiser had I not heard this. Mm-hmm. Sort of a kind of red pill, blue pill situation mm-hmm. where if you didn't know the actual opportunity, you would be... I mean, from my perspective, I think I'll be blissfully ignorant of the opportunity if I had I not heard it. I would mm. be perfectly happy without it. Mm. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I've mm. heard it. Maybe it's not worth assigning good and bad to this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The thing we talked a bit about this last time, is it better to know what's out there and yearn mm. for it or not yeah, know yeah. what's out there but not yearn for anything because you think you've completed it? I think they're the same. Um always pick the yearning yeah I mean in terms of what people would pick I, I, I'm pretty sure most people would pick the kind of yearning but if mm. people didn't have an opportunity to pick they would be equally happy in other scenarios it's like, it's like saying that like uh, I don't know one of your friends had cancer or something and didn't tell you because they didn't want to upset you mm. and so you're blissfully ignorant but you would never <clears throat> there's always a deeper level where you'd prefer to be closer to the truth I guess yeah, and that's that's a. I don't think that's a perfect metaphor because you will always find out that that friend had cancer. I mean, we well, might not unless they recover. Yeah. If they recover, then it makes no. I mean, it doesn't. I don't think that's a good good metaphor because no, friendship is, is based on based on like trust and stuff, and you you wouldn't mm. be a friend to that person had you found out they'd lied to you. But you not realizing a truth about the world isn't. A betrayal of trust with you and anyone it's just mm, it's just yeah, you not kind of understanding what the world is mm. um, but if a friendship wasn't built on trust and you never found out that friend had cancer you would be as equally happy as if you had found out that friend had cancer <laughs> I don't know where to go with that <laughs> I was just tidying on your metaphor your metaphor for you <laughs> <laughs> anyway, either way, we yearn. <laughs> I think we need to call this podcast, James. Alright, we'll call it there. Thanks for tuning in to the Tucanego podcast today. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.